This is Inside the FLX from FingerLakes1.com. I'm Ted Baker, and I'm joined by Tracy Murphy with Historic Palmyra, which operates five museums in Palmyra. We're going to focus in on the Alling Coverlet Museum, which suffered damage in the fire on November 3rd. Tracy, welcome to the program. Good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Let's start with a quick definition for those who don't know. What is a coverlet? So a coverlet is a hand-woven blanket and it is usually from 1800s. We have one of the largest collections of coverlets uh, in the United States. And they were used for many things, uh, blankets, wall coverings, they were used for room dividers, they could be used for rugs, so they had many purposes. And this fire in November hit you in a bad place. Not only did it damage the museum, but that museum is sort of the flagship of what you do. You have events there. Your gift shop raises money. So now while you wait to recover, you also have to keep the doors open and the lights on in the other museums. That is correct. Our Coverlet Museum is the one museum where we do not charge admission. And people can come in and visit uh, and learn about our coverlets but it is also the place where we have a big open room that allows us to hold fundraisers. Uh, We do our community programs once a month in the winter. We have dinners for the uh, Lions Club and we do lunches for Rotary. But because of the fire on November 3rd, we've been unable to hold any of those things. So we're kind of chomping at the bit. (laughs) So bring us up to date on the recovery. First off is how much was the collection damaged, if at all? So probably about 95% of our collection is in a sealed vault. And we are very confident in the security of the vault. We have not um, taken a look at it yet. We're kind of waiting for some of the uh, dust to settle, so to speak. Uh, But we do hang our coverlets from May until November 1st. And on November 1st, we started taking down the coverlets that were hanging. So in the large downstairs room, we probably had about 30 that were hanging. Upstairs, we probably had about 60. And we also have a quilt room that had well over 100 quilts that were out. Uh, So the uh, fire... Um, you know, with all the smoke damage, uh, you know, we, we were kind of hoping that it wasn't going to be as bad as it really was. Um, but all of those soft textiles, the coverlets, the quilts, they all had to be carefully uh, wrapped and packaged and they were sent to an offsite location to be cleaned. Uh, the coverlets are not something that you ever want to touch with water. So that is you know, one of the biggest problems and one of the, the issues that we were concerned about, because a lot of people come to us, they ask us, how do we restore, how do we take care of a coverlet? And our textile expert, Cheryl, always says, you treat them like a child, you know, you don't, they're not too cold, they're not too hot, um, you know, you're just very careful. So, you know, that was one of the things that when our, our guys from the Paul Davis group came down, they learned um, how to handle our coverlets with care, but they all had to be packed up. And then the ceilings came down because all of our ceiling tiles kind of retained the smoke smell. Uh, our kitchen, same thing. The um, the, the uh, stove range, uh, the hood had to be taken down. All of the ceiling tiles taken down. We found a crack in one of our walls. 
Uh, so we've been dealing with engineers and uh, it's just been, you know, you drive by the building and you think, oh, you know, the building is still standing and it looks great and it's a little scorched on the north side. But once you come in, it kind of hits you uh, right in the gut. It's just, it's so sad. You know, it's a beautiful building, 1901, used to be the old newspaper building and it's sturdy and we're so grateful that it's brick. Um, I'd hate to think if we were all wood, what would have happened? So who's going to do the restoration of the coverlets? Is there some sort of specialty firm that handles that sort of thing? So we hired the Paul Davis group. I think, I believe they're out of Rochester and Buffalo. They, uh, they have been wonderful from day one. They have been with us. Um, and the lead person that we've been working with actually got a promotion, um, in December. So she's actually going to be with us all the way through to the end. Our coverlets were taken off site. So they were taken to Buffalo where they were all cleaned, deodorized. Um, you know, they gave us a list of how they handled them. Uh, so we were very secure in knowing that they were being taken care of properly. Uh, and we, we did get a phone call on Tuesday that the coverlets and the quilts are done and ready to come home. So we do need um, a place to put them. So now we're waiting for construction. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about Mrs. Merle Alling and the beginning of this collection. So Mrs. Alling was a wonderful person. I never got to meet her, uh, but the story is that she lived in Rochester. She had two apartments. One was for her and one was for her coverlets. And she was looking for a place where she could confidently give her collection to knowing that they wouldn't be stored in a trunk or an attic. Um, she wanted them displayed because they're beautiful. And that's what she did. She displayed them in her apartment. And so uh, Mrs. Agnes Griffith here in uh, Palmyra had the building and they formed a little committee. And uh, she gave us our first collection of about 200 coverlets. And we hang them uh, every year. That, that was the stipulation with the building that, that we received, Historic Palmyra. And we hang them every year from May to November. And it's different every year. It usually takes between eight or nine years for us to cycle back through to the same one again. We try to go with a theme. So if we know there's a, a centennial or a bicentennial coming up, we try to do something there. Um, and one of the other stipulations was we don't charge admission. So anybody can come during our open hours um, and see the coverlets and we don't charge admission. We have a really nice little film that goes along with it. Gives you an idea of um, you know, who the weavers were that we had in Palmyra and how we got our collection and how we take care of them. Go to historicpalmyrany.com. You'll see all about the museum's beautiful pictures of these coverlets and the museum building itself, which is beautiful. Do you have a projected reopening date at this point? Well, I'm trying to be optimistic. Um, I'm hoping for May. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of hoping that it'll be a little sooner. They tell us that once they start the construction, it will go fast, uh, which is comforting to know. 
Um, our Rotary Club and our Lions Club, they have been very patient with us. They're going to come back, you know, once we get everything back in order and our kitchen is working again, which is great because uh, they get us through our winters. Um, you know, admission is a little, is a big thing for us. And uh, tourism is down for us in, uh, in the winter months. But, you know, we're able to keep the other museums going um, by having these lunches and programs and dinners. And it's, it's been tough. But I have to tell you, the community has been absolutely amazing for us. Uh, there was a young man yesterday who came in. I'm not quite sure of his age, but his name is Nate. And he raised $500 for us. Wow. And brought that in yesterday. Yeah, we were absolutely amazed. Um, the I started a, a Facebook campaign and we're, we're already up to $1,200 in less than 24 hours. So it, it's very nice to know that the community does care about history and the museums and what we, you know, try to provide for them. Well, you're up to $1,330 now. Uh, it's the yeah, historic Palmyra's Alling Coverlet Rainy Day Fund. Just look for Rainy that on Day Facebook yes. and uh, that's how you can help. So let's talk about the other museums you have. Well, before I do that, let's uh, tell us what Palmyra was like in the heyday of the Erie Canal. I mean, this thriving, bustling commercial port on the canal. It must have been really something to see. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that Palmyra was actually here 36 years prior to the Erie Canal. So we're not a typical canal town. Um, they actually refer to us as the queen of the canal towns because we were here first, so to speak. Uh, but Palmyra was quite the adventurous uh, town and village. Uh, General John Swift was our founder. And he came here, uh, you know, on an expedition, just kind of scouting out the land and really liked what he saw here and built this community. Um, at one time, we had our own banks and our own money, and we had more people living here than they had in Rochester. So it was, it was quite the thriving community. And then, of course, the canal came and people realized that there was more west than Palmyra. And so, uh, you know, we, we still are a, a pretty large community here. And uh, we just, we have an amazing uh, main street and side streets. Um, some of our buildings, you know, the building I'm sitting in right now is 1826. It was an old hotel, um, you know, and then had some renovations done in 1898. Uh, most of the buildings on Market Street are from the early 1800s. So it's, it's very impressive to have that time period still here. So as you said, the Coverlet Museum is one of five. Tell us about the other museums. So the museum that I'm in today is our historical museum. We have 23 rooms. It was uh, in the 1800s known as the St. James Hotel. And then in 1898, it became known as Riffenberg's Hotel and Saloon. Uh, he added, John Riffenberg added two dining rooms and a bar, and then more hotel rooms. So we have quite a large collection of Palmyra and vicinity is what we say. Um, we have a lot of hidden gems here in Palmyra. Winston Churchill's grandparents uh, were married in our Presbyterian church. 
They lived on Canal Street. Uh, we have a really nice display to honor uh, the Jerome family and their daughter, Jenny, who was Winston's uh, mother. Um, we have rooms upstairs that are dedicated to our military. We have an early military room. We have uh, two other military rooms. We have dolls and toys and a kitchen room, medical room, you name it, we've got it. And if you don't see it, we can probably find it. Uh, next to, <clears throat> excuse me, our museum here, we have our Erie Canal Depot. And that is a very unique building because in the basement, we have stalls that were used to house the mules as they were resting after pulling packet boats on the canal. And you could come in and buy a ticket right on the Erie Canal, um, or you could come up and rest your mules. Next to that is our print shop, uh, a wonderful small little print shop, but it has big machinery. And we have some very interesting printing presses and very large paper cutters. Uh, we'd love to show some demonstrations on how they did things uh, as far as printing. Uh, back in the 1800s. And the last but not least museum on our Market Street is the Phelps General Store and Family Residence. And this is literally the museum where time stands still. This building is absolutely amazing. The store and the building were purchased in 1868. It is an 1826 canal building. But the store was purchased in 1868 by William Phelps. He moved his family in on the second floor. Him and his wife ran the store. Then his son and his wife took over. They had a daughter named Sybil. And Sybil was the last family member to live in the building until she died in 1976. Now, most people think, yeah, what's the big deal? Well, she lived there her whole life for 81 years. She had no electricity. She had no indoor plumbing and she used an outhouse every day. In 1940, her father Julius was still working in the store. He was probably about 70 years old. And at the end of a day, for no reason that we really can find, he decided that he'd had enough. And he closed the doors, he went upstairs, and it was like they forgot it even existed. He left all the original products on the shelves. We even have eggs from 1940. And my understanding is uh, some of these old residents uh, may still be rumbling around late at night. Well, yes, we are uh, pretty famous for our historical hauntings, which are, uh, you know, another paranormal community is wonderful for us. They, they got us through COVID, which was you know, hard enough on its own, but they did fundraisers for us and, uh, you know, they were great. But yes, we do have investigations uh, on the weekends. We do, you know, uh, ghostly tours in the afternoon. Um, we typically don't bring it up until someone else does. And then, you know, once we start telling you those tales, it's hard uh, to stop. <laughs> Search on Facebook for Historic Palmyra's Alling Coverlet Rainy Day Fund. Uh, it's up to $1,330 in just a couple of days. And, and otherwise, how can people just generally support the mission of Historic Palmyra? You can support us just by coming in and taking the tour. Uh, we offer what we call a trail pass. A trail pass gets you into all five museums 
four right now. Um, we offer it for $10 for an adult, uh, $20 for a family. Um, and you can come in and tour our museums. Uh, we are really proud of the fact that we own all of our buildings and admissions, fundraising, grants, donations, that's what gets us through and helps us to operate day to day. And we're very happy with that. Go to the website, historicpalmyrany.com and see uh, events coming up, pictures of those coverlets and, and everything else. Uh, Tracy Murphy with Historic Palmyra has been our guest at Inside the FLX. Uh, we're happy to hear that things are progressing and uh, we'll make sure everybody knows when you reopen and uh, we'll come out and take a look ourselves. Thanks for your time. Oh, that would be great. We're definitely going to have a grand reopening. All right. Thank sounds you. good. Thanks so much. Thank you.